politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, and all that matters. Those who sincerely believe it in their bones, not just a talking point, not just looking for entertainment. Well, this is pretty much the only show that does that for you. Daniel Horowitz back here today, Friday. We're going to have a little bit of a free-for-all Friday here, December 8th, go through a bunch of things, and then get to something very practical on how to take back our own surroundings, our own local communities, and our own local values. And that begins with education. We're going to have Ryan Gurdusky coming up to discuss his amazing successes in electing patriots to school boards. And I think that really ties into... Uh, you know, a theme I've been thinking about today, obviously today for Jews around the world, it's the first day of Hanukkah. And, you know, a lot of people are obviously very apropos applying the war in Gaza, Jews, you know, during a time of darkness being attacked and fighting back like the Maccabees, uh, fighting off the Greek Hellenists. But a lot of people focus on the military battle that took place you know, about 2,200 years ago and draw the parallels to today. But there, it was really more about a spiritual battle that actually is apropos today, not just to Jews, but but everyone and certainly every American patriot. That we are beleaguered by an overwhelming majority that is stronger than us, more numerical in numbers in terms of uh, just... The institutions, the businesses, the culture, academia, media, everywhere we go, we're under assault. There's not a single aspect of our life, our prosperity, our security that's not under assault. And then even the few people that we have that we think might share our values, you know, we have the French revolutionists, we have the reactionaries, we don't have a competent opposition to this. And I myself, to be honest, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I don't even know what to do. It's not that we don't have ideas, but we don't have enough people willing to try something new. Conservative media is bankrupt beyond belief, and, and everyone knows it. There's no leadership. There's no movement. It, it's seemingly insurmountable. And Hanukkah was really about... The battle of the few against the many, the spiritually pure against those spiritually impure, the weak against the strong physically, that God enabled them to overcome. But the reason they were able to overcome is because they looked inward and they returned to God with all of their soul. That's really what it was about. It was unnatural that they were able to fight off the Greeks. But what it really was was a battle against Hellenism paganism, obviously they had the decadent culture focused on the human body, focused on nudity, focused on um, promiscuity, idolatry. And, you know, again, this was about, you know, I want to say about 270 years before Christianity and certainly uh, even longer before it really took off. So Judaism was was the only thing standing against paganism, was the, the only monotheistic religion at that point. And that is a battle that all of us, all Americans, all Christians could appreciate 
and are literally living through today. I mean, the degree of decadence that we are fighting, the depravity that we are fighting here, and also against numerical and, and qualitative uh, odds or qualitative edge against us is the same thing. But the recipe is you have to do everything in your power to return to God, to be worthy of him performing some sort of, you know, supernatural miracle on your behalf. We're all looking to sit back and, oh, you know, I, I just, I pray to God that the Republicans defeat the Democrats, but we're not worthy of, of, of victory because as I note so often, the problem is among our own ranks. We have too much promiscuity among our own, own ranks. We don't live the lives of conservatives. It, it, we're we're uh, satiated with being just uh, one hair better than the left. That's not good enough. The first lesson is that we show God we are so offended by it and we're going to do everything in our sphere to get on your side and to extirpate those values from our consciousness. Their way of speaking is not our way of speaking. Their thoughts are not our thoughts. Their God is not our God. And, you know, it's the way we raise our kids. It's the way, it's what we have, have our kids exposed to. Again, you look at a lot of people that are considered conservative leaders. If they themselves aren't committing adultery and all those around them, they certainly are not bothered by it. And certainly the other things in Leviticus going on there. And that's what we need to do. And again, that's why I'm going to have Ryan Gerdusky coming up to see how in our own, especially red areas, we could actually elect people to school boards who will not just, you know, be opposed to CRT or whatever in red areas, but to actually radiate out our values to our children in our area with equal and opposing force and the same sort of energy that the Hellenists of today the hedonists, the pagans, in places like New York and San Francisco, promote their values. That's the lesson. When you're willing to sacrifice for the values of God, when you're willing to sacrifice for our supposed biblical values that we say we believe in, more than just talking point deep, we're willing to make it uncomfortable, then God will have your back. That's what Hanukkah is all about. Not to commercialize nonsense. And I know, you know, those of you who are devout Christians feel the same way about what's happened to uh, to Christmas. Um, but th- this is really what it's about. It's about looking inward. The battle externally is really for God. He'll take care of that if you're worthy of it. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 26, 13. If we could say to God, quote, I have done according to all your commandment that you commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Then we're worthy of his countenance. And it says, uh, you know, one verse later, look down from your holy dwelling from the heavens and bless your people Israel and the ground which you have given to us. And that's the thing. And, 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 you know, I do hear from... We had one guest on talked about this, that there is a movement in Israel. A lot of secular Jews are returning to God, uh, you know, kind of paralleling that physical battle in in Gaza. And that's really the, the recipe here in America is, as I keep saying, the red areas aren't red. Conservative activists aren't conservative. OK, so that's where we need to start. 
Um, and, and look, make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. The decadence is really bad. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine it was worse during the time of the Greeks. There's an organization called the American Family uh, S- Survey. They put out a survey asking people about the fertility decline. And I'm not kidding you. Democrats are more likely to say that the fertility decline is a positive sign rather than a negative. It's not just that, like, you know, they don't plan on doing anything about it. But, yeah, you know, it's a shame we're, we're not repopulating ourselves. A plurality of Democrats actually believe that the fertility decline is a good thing. And we don't mean like a decline from an average of six kids to three. We mean to one. And then many are having zero. And then obviously the homosexual agenda is pretty much making everyone in Gen Z won't be uh, won't have the ability to even have kids. I don't think that was going on during the Greeks either. And <laughs> they weren't cutting cutting people's balls off. So that's the thing. It's like, you know, oh, I hate the left. The left is terrible. And then you got Don Jr. there promoting, you know, Rick Grinnell and Bruce Jenner and all that stuff. And then everyone around there in Mar-a-Lago is a frat boy. God doesn't want that from you. You're not going to beat the left by, you know, acting the same way and just, you know, being one hair different on a couple of policy issues. Both strategically, but also spiritually, deserving the, the countenance of God during a time when really, I mean, because of the 50 years of this cancer spreading in every aspect of the, the people, the culture, the institutions, it, it's seemingly insurmountable without God's help. So we're going to do a little bit of a quick free-for-all Friday, just go through a blitz of news stories that I didn't have time to get to, and then we'll get to our special guest about taking back our school boards at the most local level. First, our sponsor today, our friends at itargetpro.com. You know, I've been downing a lot of ammo recently, and it's expensive. It's really expensive. Uh, The Black Friday sales were terrible. I'm not seeing good sales on ammo um, it, it's a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about 25 cents per round with 9 millimeter. You're talking about hard to get below 50 cents per round uh, with 223 for AR or 5.56. It's expensive. Um, and we talk about you know practicing and, and you need to do that. But what if I told you I could give you unlimited practice, pretty much re- rehearsing 90% of what you guys learn, you know, we're going to learn next week at Patriot Academy with our defensive handgun training at itargetpro.com. They sell you a laser uh, bullet. You put in your gun for dry fire practice. They have all different calibers, even for rifle, two two three as well. And you could download their app, time your shots. You know, if you jerk the trigger, it will it will render it. It will show up. The only thing you don't get is recoil. Look, I'm not going to lie. The best thing in the world is to have it all. But look, you get 90%. You make back the money. Um, you put an offer code CR. You get 10% off at checkout. Again, itargetpro.com, 10% at checkout uh, with offer code CR. And you pretty much make back the money with one round of training. Uh, pretty much, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much 200 rounds worth 
will we'll get you the cost, two, 300 rounds worth. So again, the letter itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So by the way, folks, speaking of uh, fertility problems, there's an unbelievable survey out from, and again, I mean, this stuff is published in mainstream publications, uh, the International Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Queen's University, and University of Toronto uh, researchers. The study found that the rates of miscarriage so, so they did an initial study, and then they did adjustments. But this is before their adjust, adjustments. The rate of miscarriage was 3.6 per 10,000 person days among remotely vaccinated women. Remotely means that they hadn't been vaccinated for a while, meaning more than a month before uh, uh, you know, conceiving the, the fetus. Then for those who were recently vaccinated was 3.2, so slightly less, but not statistically significant, so pretty much the same. And then it was just 1.9 among unvaccinated women. That's a, that's a huge, huge difference. Also, the gestational age of miscarriage was a week later on average for vaccinated women as opposed to unvaccinated. Uh, for vaccinated w- women, the median was nine weeks for... Um, the unvaccinated was eight weeks. So that that's also eye-popping as well. And then and then finally, it showed that induced abortion rates for remotely vaccinated women was 7.7 per 10,000, 7.4 for recently, and 4.2 for unvaccinated women. In other words, if my math is correct, there was an 89% increase in mis- miscarriages for the vaccinated over the unvaccinated and a 76% increase in abortions. But they come in and they say, no, no, no. We have, we're going to adjust for confounders. And if you adjust for confounders, basically there's no difference. There's no signal. <laughs> so it was the funniest thing, which is a complete joke because, again, the data we're seeing from places like Scotland and Israel, it's we, we see it. We see the numbers. You can't deny it. Birth rates plummet. Um, perfectly coinciding with the, you know, take up of the shot for that age bracket, just like we see with the death rates. So we definitely know where they're coming from. But then again, uh, these demonic uh, pagans, literally in the study, they call them the study participants, the women, they call them pregnant people. So you know where that's coming from. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the other COVID story I didn't get a chance to get to. Norwegian Institutes of Public Health. Okay, so this is, you know, again, not some so, some far-flung thing. They found, they, they did a study on mask wearing. They found a 33% higher rate of COVID among those wearing masks often or sometimes. And a 40% higher increase among those wearing masks always compared to those who reported never or almost never wearing face masks. Again, the more you inject, the more you infect. The more you uh, mask, the more you, I don't know, find something that rhymes with it. But the point is that, could you imagine, we, we, we knew this and we reported on this three and a half years ago. And yet we went for, through unimaginable pain. I mean, can you imagine the learning development, the social development loss for children for two complete school years? in many places, or at least one and a half in a lot. Rape victims denied care of the pain and suffering because of not just a lie, but a blood libel where the opposite was true. 
But again, to this day, it's not like the Republicans are like yelling this from the rooftops and coming into the state legislatures and most states, at least, and federally criminalize this behavior can never be done again. No, I mean, you know, it, 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 we don't take data like this where it's finally unpopular and, and actually achieve political outcomes with it. And speaking of political outcomes, when you look at how pathetic the, the GOP Congress has been this year, I mean, we came in for two years of Biden. Oh, my gosh, we can't survive another year. Republicans win the House. They have failed to check a single policy of his. Last night, um, the Senate already uh, voted on for cloture on the NDAA, the defense bill that that Mike Johnson agreed to, that jettisons every single reform that we tried to do culturally in the House. And only eight Republicans voted against cloture. Eight Republicans. So again, that's, you know, the same usual suspects. Just how pathetic is the GOP Congress? So... They couldn't even get rid of the office of DEI within Congress. There's a, so, so Pelosi created this congressional office of DEI basically to promote, you know, um, anti-white discrimination and, and hiring practices and all sorts of stuff, promote the homosexual agenda. And I noted that earlier this year, I did a piece on it. How, you know, it was still functioning under McCarthy's speakership. And it's still there. So we have a listener, Aaron, who used to work in in Congress. And he stopped by there and he just sent me a picture of the plaque. It's still in the basement of the Longworth building. It's still there. And the reason why this story is so important is because it's such a small thing. It's such a universal thing. All Republicans claim to be opposed to DEI. But, But here's the thing. We're all told that oh, we can't do anything because, well, you know, we only have the House and we can't uh, pass the bills we want. And, and, and again, obviously, we talk about the must-pass legislation where you have leverage on, but whatever. This is something that's a legislative office. So th- this is not, you don't, in other words, this is something that administratively the Speaker's office controls. Like the Speaker controls the architect of the Capitol, the security, different things like that. This has nothing to do with the executive branch of the United States government. You don't need the Senate and the president to sign off on it. And they still won't do it. Because this is the thing. Deep down, deep down, those of us who claim to be on the right aren't really on the right. And yet we expect God to just fight our battles and vanquish the left for us. So... That is, you know, just, you know, some of the stuff I, I, I didn't get a chance to get to. Um, and, and, and again, I, ju- I just want to go back to uh, one thing we talked about two days ago with crime and the First Step Act. We're all like the Democrats, a war on cops and the Democrats are pro-criminal. But let's not forget Trump was the most pro-criminal president in American history. It was a whole thing. It wasn't just the first step back. He pardoned all of them, but did not pardon a single political operative, you know, political uh, persecuted opponent. You know, Edward Snowden was not pardoned. But he pardoned all these rapper thugs because 
Van Jones, Kim Kardashian's rear end, and Kanye West had more of an influence on Trump than we did. So in the same week we had this guy we talked about who joined, brought his kid to school to become a school shooter, and he himself was just let out recently by the First Step Act, career criminal, this rapper Kodak Black, who was uh, pardoned by Trump, was arrested again on drug charges. By the way, Kodak Black recently put out a video endorsing Trump. So, I mean, we think, damn, I know Trump's not like really one of us, but Mr. Trump, you know, we just have to do that. God doesn't want that bullcrap from you. And that's true even when strategically maybe they fight for you. But here, it's not even a false choice between, well, he doesn't share our values, but the guy fights. No, he doesn't. He fights for himself and more often for the other side. I mean, how, how many examples do you need to see this? And I'll be honest with you. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do at a federal level. We have a 90-10 leftist Senate. We have no more than 40 to 60 good guys out of 218 Republicans in a house. And even on the right, we're so divided, so unfocused. Half the people are too busy with Trump or this reactionary French Revolution nonsense where we just don't have affirmative due north, affirmative truths. So the best we can do is focus locally. We're going to talk a lot about state legislatures. But today I want to focus on school boards. So folks, we had a little bit of a change of plans. About an hour has elapsed right at this point. Um, Unfortunately, I was going to interview Ryan Gradusky, but I had a little bit of a hiccup here in my new audio studio And I did an entire half an hour interview with him about the mechanics of school boards. And of course, it went and just recorded me, but not his audio. (laughs) So really sorry about that. So we're going to have to change gears a little bit and have him back at a later date. But, you know, broadly what, what Ryan spoke to me about privately was the fact that they are making inroads even in areas that are bluish. Forget about red. So when you strip away the labels, because sometimes you don't have partisan elections, and you're just running on fixing the curriculum, uh, actually, you know, students actually focusing on classical education, aside from even the culture war stuff, but but that included, they're actually winning 60% of their races. Um, He talks about the fact that it's just $25,000 to $40,000 of campaign cash in a typical district, and they educate them, they train them. And again, it's something if you go to 1776projectpack.com, it is something that I think a lot of you in your areas who want to run for office, you can do. Because remember, it swings both directions. You have nonpartisan elections, even in red areas where sometimes leftists sneak in there. Um, and also, you know, another point that Ryan told me is that it's important to, as we focus and nationalize the culture war, or localize the national culture war, is important to also not forget local concerns. So sometimes, like, let's say you want to get the homosexual agenda, the porn out of your area, uh, but, you know, there's there's certain things that really bother people about the way the school's functioning that's not overtly partisan, 
and you jump on that, that's a way of gaining goodwill with voters that maybe don't care as much as we do about the culture. Um, you know, pushing things like classical education, pushing out this DEI training. You know, when you see this outrageous stuff going on where teachers have to uh, go to training sessions from speakers who are horrible, that's something you speak about. And in a place like Pennsylvania, remember, property taxes are pegged to uh, the school districts. The school board members actually vote on that, on the taxes. So there is a fiscal component to that. Um, another point that Ryan told me, and again, we'll have to have him back next year. I just, I apologize both to him and you for this uh, novice mistake, but that's, that's what happens when you get me in technology, uh, you know, a new system that I wasn't used to in one, one room. But speaking of technology, there's a lot of focus on the textbooks, the textbooks, but increasingly that's not what is brainwashing them. It's online resources. They use technology. They use tablets. And what Ryan noted is that 97% of the children's data is being recorded and it's being sold. So data privacy is a very big issue when it comes to school board issues. Uh, There's about 20,000 school board elections Beginning in March in Missouri is the first state, actually, for school boards. And it's something you could all get involved with, understand who is running for school board. And if there's a vacancy, do you think you could swing twenty, thirty thousand dollars yourself between your own money or to raise? This is what we need to do. This is what's going to win back the culture. And, you know, this is how we extirpate this one by one from our from our culture. And by the way, you know, I want to change gears here again. I, I, I apologize. I wanted to do this more long form. But as you see, our schools become nothing but Islamic centers. And remember, if we don't influence them, guess who will influence them? It will be all the bad guys, all the bad guys. Council on American Islamic Relations is essentially the really the worst organization of all the Islamic organizations, but it's also the most influential, okay? Very, very influential. And there is a head of it, this guy, Niyad Awad, he's headed care for years, a Muslim Brotherhood Hamas organization. He influences every level of government, every level of uh you know, media, Democrat party. I mean, this is what the care is a, a prime organization in America. I don't know what hold Niyad crawled out of Egypt or whatever, but he came to America at some point. And he's the head of this organization. And he said at some sort of convention that he was happy. He was happy about October 7th. So, so there's no misunderstanding. This is not some sort of political dispute the head of the most prominent Muslim organization in America that it works at the highest levels of government and the Democrat Party. And by the way, the FBI, DHS all participate in countering violent extremism exercises with these dirtbags. I'm going to play about two minutes of him at a convention recently 
Let's take a look to what this scumbag had to say, Nyad Awad. The people of Gaza only decided to break the siege, the walls of the concentration camp on October 7th. And yes, I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land and walk free into their lands that they were not allowed to walk in. And yes, the people of Gaza have the right to self-defense, have the right to defend themselves. And yes, Israel as an occupying power does not have that right to self-defense. Gaza became the liberation source, the inspiration for people. Gaza transformed many minds around the world, including people who are not Muslim. What kind of faith? these people have. They are thankful. They're not afraid. And Israel did not scare them because they knew that their heaven is in Gaza. And they, if they would like to die, they will go to another heaven. That is the faith of the people of Gaza. And that's why Gaza and the people of Gaza were able to transform everyone who's watching they have learned from these people. And those who felt bad for Gaza, they don't understand the equation. Those who thought that the Gazans are less than those who can help them, they are mistaken. They are mistaken. The Gazans were the victorious. Okay, folks, so you heard that. He was happy that the people of Gaza broke the siege on October 7th. They were victorious. The people of Gaza have the right to self-defense. They're our inspiration. It transformed minds around the world, including those who aren't Muslims. And that's what I told you. This is a global uprising. And you hear many others I've heard recently, similar to Awad, talking about this anti-white stuff, that this is the uprising against whites. This is our opportunity, a huge opportunity to push back, not just against Islamic immigration. We need legislation at a federal level, but I think you can do it at a state level for state purposes to designate CARE as a terrorist organization, which it is. And, um, you know, this is part of rooting it out of your school district. Rooting this sort of stuff out of our school district, the Muslim Brotherhood influence, the anti-white influence. And by the way, I just want to mention one thing on that. There are, I'm seeing some voices on the reactionary right that they're like, you know, I don't like this business that we're talking about Muslim anti-Semitism. Well, it should be because of whites that we fight this. What is this with Jews and Israel? And it's like, it's a stupid thing to say. People like me have called out the war on whites for years, okay? Um, you know, let's let's stop making these false dichotomies. It's just now there's a huge opportunity where, yes, I mean, we're still within the century of Jews being slaughtered in the Holocaust. So there is some sympathy about anti-Semitism. So, yeah, we'll play that up to fight those that are trying to induce a war on whites a war on America, a war on, you know, our values. 
it's not an either or. It's not like, oh, you only care about the anti-Semitism portion of the war on whites. That's, that's, that's bull. But that is what's happening now. You had this man who attacked a synagogue in Albany and shouted, Free Palestine. Turns out his name is Mufid Fawaz Al-Qadir. He's an Iraqi immigrant. Likely came during the Iraq war. We bled and died for them, and then we brought them on our shores so they can go and engage in jihad here. Also, it was a pretty tragic irony that this uh, synagogue, if you want to call it that, there was this Rabbi Wendy something. Now, when you see a Rabbi Wendy, that's a paradox right there. uh, Some sort of nut leftist that was uh, praising Islam, so... Ironically, the so-called synagogue they attacked was a pagan synagogue, so whatever. But you know, again, you know, they're going after everyone. Alpha News reports that there have been 32 incidents of swatting Jews in Minneapolis, swatting Jews in Minneapolis, and you know where that's coming from in Minneapolis. Uh, so there you go, there you go. We have we have brought Islam to our shores. Because when we don't believe in our own values, we have the weakening. You know, you see, this is a pagan synagogue, but, you know, we know most churches are pagan churches, too. They've taken over. Steve Dace, my colleague, talks about this all the time. Uh, This is why Europe was conquered earlier than America, because the church fell in Europe earlier than it did in America. And when you have that vacuum... Um, it's filled by Islam, which partners with pagans. They might disagree on some things, but they partner to rot out um, America. Eventually, they'll they'll clash. But for now, they have a common enemy in whatever vestiges of Judeo-Christian traditions we have here. So, again, you know, during this time of Hanukkah and going into Christmas, this is a shared fight. It's not an either-or. Uh, They're canceling Christmas uh, tree lighting events as a result of this. And again, there's nobody who's like death to Jews free Palestine that somehow is okay with the rest of Americans or Westerners either. So this is obviously a shared fight that we need to all be on the same page. Let's not have these needless reactionary guys that are dividing us, these new voices on the right that are just kind of dumb um, but again, we got to believe in our own things. And as we talk about local politics, making red areas red, big theme theme of mine, I just want to show you how bad things are in the Ohio legislature. So, you know, we talk about education. So on paper, most Republicans, you know, they're not going to say we need to uh, – and the war in Ukraine. No, because they support that. They're not going to say we need to a moratorium on legal immigration because most Republicans don't support that. But on paper, most Republicans do support a school choice. They say they do. But this is how bad it is in Ohio. There's a education overhaul rep- uh, bill that would restrict diversity training on campuses. Senator Jason Stevens of Kitts Hill said that Senate Bill 83 doesn't have enough support to get through the House, according to the Columbus Dispatch. And he's not even trying to push for a vote. 
okay? So you would think simple thing, ending the DEI stuff is universal. Nope, not in Ohio with insurmountable supermajority Republican uh, majorities. And House Committee is scheduled to hold a hearing on the bill Wednesday. Supporters say it's necessary to combat liberal bias on college campuses, but opponents contend it goes too far to restrict academic freedom. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of concerns with the bill from both sides of the aisle, frankly, Stevens told reporters, understanding what's being attempted, but sometimes that language can either go either direction. The proposal would prohibit most diversity, equity, and inclusion courses, require students to take an American government or history class, and prevent public institutions from accepting gifts or donations from China. Very controversial for a public university. Okay, no no donations from China, no DEI training, and let's take a history course in American government. We'd also establish student evaluations that assess whether faculties promote an atmosphere free politi- of, from political, racial, gender, and religious bias. And there you go. But we can't have nice things. Uh, and there, that's, that's what we're left with. So Jason Stevens, the Ohio speaker, is a big leftist, and we can't have nice things. I mean, could you imagine the equivalent in California, Maryland, New York, Massachusetts, having the Speaker of the House say, you know, we we just can't have gay marriage. It's just too divisive. But this is the problem. And again, I, I, I want to give a shout out to him today because I, I feel terrible that I destroyed his interview, the audio on it, and couldn't use it. But Ryan Gerdusky, and, and I want you to subscribe to his National Populist newsletter, um, Ryan Gerdusky on Twitter and Substack, but 1776projectpack.com, that he's actually focusing on winning these local battles. I call Ryan the reverse Soros. Because he's the only one that has that vision. Remember, Soros started with the Secretary of State project to, um, why do you think we have our elections destroyed? Early voting and all these, you know, ballot harvesting. It's because he controlled the Secretary of State positions. He put in all his money. Then he went on to uh, prosecutors. He's like, you know, why do we need to rely on defense attorneys? I'll just get prosecutors who are pro-criminal. And that's the thing. We need to do this. Um, and I'm going to you know, cultivate things like the 1776 Project for school boards, but obviously state legislatures. We, we, we really need to focus on that as well. The State Freedom Caucus Project is probably the best thing we have for that. Um, and then, you know, then we have the problems at a federal level. And I just want to briefly return to that. The Mitha Trump loyalty oath, this is from Puck. Um, Never followed their stuff. But basically, they are... Steve Daines has been... He's the National Republican Senatorial Committee chair. He's been aggressively lobbying senators to make their Trump endorsements now. Okay? So he's pushing all Senate GOP to endorse Mitha Trump. So we we were told that... Remember when uh, something that rhymes with Tucker noted that, oh, nobody in the establishment is supporting this man. No, no, no. 
so now you know how bad the House Republicans are. This is the Senate Republicans. Senate Republicans. You would think is even worse. Is even worse. And yet all of them are being encouraged and indeed most of them are endorsing Trump. Who is the establishment person? What does that tell you? What does that tell you about this man? Unbelievable. One more story today, and we are going to cut it short because I just I just bombed today's show, but I wanted to at least give you something. And I do apologize. I, I hope in return the audio at least does sound better. I think it's a much richer audio, so you'll enjoy it more in the future. It's just the two-way recording. I just screwed it up. But, you know, today's audio for myself will at least be okay. But there's one more story I want to get to. So, you know, we talked about how in Israel they were handing out weapons to people in Judea and Samaria. And then the Biden White House said we're going to cut off aid if they give them weapons because basically the worst human beings alive. It's okay to have Niyad Awad be a top Democrat official uh support Hamas in America, but if you're a Jew living in Judea and Samaria, you're like a Nazi by virtue of living there. So they started out saying that they're going to ban visas to Jews living in Judea and Samaria. Now they say, oh, it's only ones that engage in violence, but none of them do, and it's a lie. So it basically is going to ban them all. I'm now seeing European countries are starting to follow suit uh, from Blinken's um, you know, take taking Blinken's lead on the matter. So there's that. And look, it is what it is. But there's a story I wanted to get to you, a follow-up. There's, again, some of this reactionary right that just seems to resent any sympathy for Jews or whatever, even though, like, it's actually helping the cause of the war on whites, but you're not allowed to mention it. If it's just weird. So a lot of these guys think that it was an inside job. Israel did this on purpose. Again, if if you do this on purpose or, you know, it's a false flag, what do you do when you want to create a war? You want to control your people. You take away their guns. This is from the Times of Israel. 260,000 firearm permits were sought out after October 7th. National Security Minister Ben Gavir confirmed on Monday that more than 260,000 new requests for firearms permits have been submitted to his ministry since Hamas' October 7th attacks on Israel. The requests are in line with his successful push to expand eligibility uh, requirements for a firearm license. And uh, they've really succeeded in, in giving this over. Um, that guy is part of what they call a far-right party, the, the minister in charge of that, but it means like the only good party in Israel. My policy within the office was to permit as many people as possible to get a weapon. Within a short period of time, we are now giving up to 3,000 approvals a day. That's a lot for a country that's small. So, you know, at least, at least someone's doing it right there. But again, um, I'll say this. You know, just like Hanukkah is not just about Jews as the victims of assault and hedonism, Hellenism, paganism, so too the perpetrators, you know, you know, it, it applies to everyone. Just because you claim to be Jewish, it doesn't mean you are not part of those very Hellenists 
that we celebrate their defeat today. Um, it, it's truly a disgrace that Tony Blinken claims that his grandparents survived the Holocaust. Well, this man is perpetrating another Holocaust today. He is the biggest threat to Jews today since Hitler. Tony Blinken is an animal, an utter animal. And again, it's not what you come from, but what you are and what you make of yourself. And, and, and that's the lesson. We ultimately have to do better. We have to do better. We have to f- internalize our hatred for wicked and then embrace of objective truth, objective good, affirmative good. And in that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be meritous of God's countenance. I mean, that's all we could hope for because there's nothing really we can do without God's help that's going to change us this late in the game. But again, focus on school boards, focus on state legislatures. We'll do a little bit more of this next week. I'm sorry for the botched audio there um, that we weren't able to get that interview out, but we'll make it up at some point. And I just want to publicly apologize to Ryan as well. But, you know, we got got a little bit out, shorter show today. Next week will be our last full week, so we're going to try to make the most of it. Email me, danielhorowitz at starmail.com. Until next week, have a terrific family-oriented weekend. Micah 6-8. God bless you all.